Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. You'll find a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you so much. Now we'll broaden our gaze and our inquiry into vows. We've talked about our inner vows, which are expressed through our thoughts, words, and our actions. And we've talked about hearing the cries of the world as Avalokiteshvara embodies. We've talked about the vows we make and the vows that are made for us. That's what we wrote about. But now we're going to take up a different set of questions around the vows. And it begins with um, discerning some uh, domain or inquiry. So I have a handout, and I'm also going to screen share this uh, with a set of questions for us. And I'll tell you in advance what those questions are. So hold a second. Okay. Um, you'll be doing a little bit of writing. This is not long essay form, but, and it's personally your personal view of this, not something you think of as uh, some abstract or scholarly response. The first question, maybe you can um, hand those out. Yeah. Thank you. So the first question we ask is, how is a Sangha different from a Buddhist study group? How is a Sangha different from a Buddhist study group? The second question is, how is a Sangha different from a meditation group? The third question is, why is a Sangha not a church? Fourth question is, why is a Sangha not a club? And then the next question is, what is spiritual community's role in the world? What is the spiritual community's role in the world? And the last one, what are some of our Apamata community level vows? So, so you can write right on this page, I left space. Um, and as I said, it doesn't have to be lengthy essays, just a, a reflection or two about that. And those of you online, you can see these questions all right. And hopefully, you have something you can write with. And I'm asking these questions because I'm really curious about how you think about these things. We'd love to hear some responses or each of these questions if you want to share anything from your writing. Sometimes one of them may have stood out more or you called you more than others or going through them may have Call for a theme of, of some sort. Or, or I'm just curious about what moved in response to these questions. Mary Beth? Yeah, the one that when I was writing that really seemed interesting to me to think more about was the one about the difference between a sangha and a church. 
And when I was thinking about the difference, it's having been raised in the church, the Catholic church, it was a really interesting question because practicing with the Sangha feels more of a way of learning more internally about what I might believe or how I might interpret some of the teachings of the Buddha. Whereas being raised in the church, it was more, this is what you believe. This is what you're supposed to believe and you don't really question it. Um, so it, it, it immediately went, when it, I saw the word church, I immediately went to Christianity. I immediately went to a place of uh, a physical structure where people come together to judge each other about the appropriateness of the beliefs and the teachings that are happening in that particular space. Whereas the Sangha was to me feels more of internal work. Uh, I wanna uh, echo what you said, Mary Beth. Um, that one stood out to me and I consider not being honest about it. <laughs> but then I decided I would try it, try it out. Yeah, what the heck? Uh, and I said, honestly, sometimes it does feel like a church. Uh, there's Sunday service, an altar, precepts, robes, and a white being, studying texts, chanting, and meeting with teachers. Um, but for me, the difference seems to be how all of these things are held, um, at least here at Apamada. Uh, they might be different in other sanghas, but um, they seem to be held with more kind of what Mary Beth was saying, more of a, an open palm rather than a clenched fist. And um, instead of asking us to follow blindly, I think we're more encouraged to um, for us to ask ourselves what all this stuff brings up for us. Um, so that, that seems to be the difference in my opinion. You're touching on a couple of things I just want to note. There's a, a sociological study that was done between 10, 15 years ago, and uh, this is a tiny thumbnail of what it, it, it's in terms of spirituality in, the, in America, at least in the United States, that in the 50s and before, um, spiritual community was thought of as a place, in like the church. Not not just the church as an idea, but actually the building. You go to the, you go to church, and then in the '60s, with sort of a cultural study, shifted to um, my path. Not just a church, but you get this personal you know, path that you're following. But it's very there's a self-centeredness to that in a way that went with the '60s and '70s, and then there's a shift that began to happen about practice. So it wasn't identified with a place necessarily, although. It could happen in a place. It wasn't just my path. It was some sort of shared practice activity. Um, and once again, this is super generalized. I know, and I'm just truncating it. Um, but it's kind of interesting to um, get cultural evolution. And these are the ways this particular study talked about it. Doesn't make it so. It's just 
that, that's how you described it in that way, which kind of makes sense a little bit to me. Some of some of the social shifts in the United States, which you're speaking to, I think. Hi. Well, I found the most interesting one, the one, the last one. What are some of us, some of our Apamati community level vows, as I understand them? And I put first and foremost to know about and exercise the right use of power in our dealings with one another within the Sangha and externally as we interact with those outside our Sangha. I found when I attended Peg's study of that over in Georgetown with a group of people who were not you know, part of our Sangha, but that she taught that class, it was very profound. And of course, it's because of my, um, you know, I'm a recovering Catholic. And because from the earliest age, I discovered little girls were not going to ever be allowed to be acolytes or step on the altar. I realized that there was a different, there was a power structure that meant that I wasn't welcome. And then of course the years of abuse. So I, I, that's not in my writing, but the precepts, parametras and the writing of our teachers and ancestors guide us as we study and practice together. We believe matters of life and death are important. By following the forms, we share a common approach to creating an atmosphere of spaciousness, spaciousness in our physical space and in our bodies. So, um, that's what I felt about that one. I love that. Thank you. Um, I began by just trying to figure out commonalities. How is a Sangha like a club? How's the song going? And 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 it, uh, actually, in about the meditation group, I was saying, well, the first use of sangha was the the people who came together to listen to Buddha teaching and to meditate together, right? And, and then do other practices like being mendicants together and so on. Um, but uh, just threaded through all this. Um, is this the, the sense that, that emerged from me or the pattern that emerged from me that, it, that the at least at Akumata, that it's uh, about mutuality and that it's about supporting each other on the path and, and like just not losing sight of that for for our individuality you know and that there's something that you talk about a lot which is that there's a term people show up for a reason usually because they've got some pain or some some, something that they're struggling with and then you know look around and say well i could help out uh and that that is an important term you know um and the turn from something to get to something to offer exactly exactly thank you uh and that that uh that members of a sangha explicitly see each other as companions on a path uh to and as people to whom they have a responsibility for wholehearted engagement. Thank. That's really close to me. Yeah. I also have a question that I I'm, I was surprised was not on your list, oh. uh, which I know you've talked about in the past, but I thought I, I wondered if you have handled this in a different way in your writing. But why uh, why or how is a sangha not like a therapy group? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Equally good question. Um, similar to what Joel was just saying, I, I feel like um, one of the best th things that ever stuck with me about what a sangha is, 
came from you, Flint, when you said that we're sitting next to each other because we're on the edge of the Grand Canyon and we have to hold hands. And that there's like that urgency of, I think it was the Grand Canyon, but we were on Maybe the you, edge. If you're gonna look over the edge, you wanna make sure you're holding on to somebody. Yes. <laughs> it's terrifying to make that kind of, uh, yes. forget about mystery. And so it's just, it's that visceral of sitting there knowing that I've got Darcy and Jessica right there. And it's that simple, it's just having- And they're holding you up. Yes, quietly, not touching, but that feels like unique to Sangha. That's not something I experience anywhere else. That silent, but profound support. I was really uh, drawn to many of these questions, but one was the, what is the spiritual community's role in the world? Mm -hmm. And um, I, um, the first thing I wrote was that it's, it, is, um, it is to provide a container for the individual's experience or exploration of divine mystery. And I think that is that kind of looking over <laughs> the edge. And, um, I'm just interested in what you said, Flint, about my path and that, that kind of, and I always sort of hear this when people, I hear people say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, or I don't believe in organized religion or something. And, and to me, it, it, in my, it just sort of misses the point of a community and, and, a, and some kind of formal container for that exploration, because I think it's really vital to keep us from going off the rails or going crazy or, or getting getting lost in weeds. Getting lost, yeah. Just kind of mucking about. Yeah. yeah. A lot of different just, things that seem like, oh, that would be good and helpful. Yeah. And they kind of might be, but yeah. there's no coherence. Right. And what the Alice Hirsch does, like laser, it focuses it. Right. Not narrow it, but focus it. And I, I was glad to hear Jessica say that because I took the question about how is it not a church literally and thought about how it wasn't a church, but I like the idea that it's, it is kind of, or that there are similarities and uh, mm -hmm. that, that actually, I think is more the way I feel because it, uh, it is uh, kind of, it's like people facing the world together or the mystery together. And I, I think in a good sense, churches are like, I mean, church communities are like that as well. They can, they can be all full of us. Mm -hmm. It, it, for those of us, um, I'll just say from my perspective, who had um, powerful and profound experiences in churches, but also a lot of stuff, you know, that makes them, if I say, do you want to go to church? Let's go to, you want to go to church with me? See, look what you did. <laughs> you like this. But if I said, let's go be together and engage some uh even some discipline that can help us understand this great mystery of being alive now your face softened but actually can be the same thing i'm using different words can we together engage in something that it's religious whether you like it or not <laughs> based on that you know it may not be Maybe Dharma have a lot of dogma, yes, or you know, belief or authority. But it's it's, it's religious in that sense. And the, the discipline 
devotion, let's say, a devotion to something beyond oneself, and that that's just shared activity. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm talking to myself. And I, and I experience it as coming together before this, you know, everybody's sort of equal in a way, you know, mm -hmm. so whatever we are, whatever we believe or whatever, it's, it's still, it's a coming forward. So we have, um, you're good. Uh, yes, I can. I can uh, just really resonate with so much that's been shared tonight. Um, in answering these questions, I heard <clears throat> a little bit of Jessica and Joel and um, you know others in the way I was trending. And basically, for me, Sangha and Flint just now said it. It's kind of the activity of joining uh, to me. It's, I wrote that it's a safe and some supportive environment for waking up and growing up. Um, and yet it has a very active component. This uh, environment is really, this waking up happens through relationships. And, um, you know, that's what Sangha is to me. It's, it's, it's like the way we share our journeys, the way we confess to one another our vulnerabilities, the way we, you know, come together um, in, in sharing our lives. And um, I think that's what Sangha means to me. Um, the component that makes it Sangha is the safe and supportive part. And, um, I can find it in other places. I actually do find it uh, in maybe um, uh, a club or a meditation group or a church. But you know, all those things are contained within sangha. To me, <laughs> you know, they don't define sangha. Um, so um, yeah, I, I was just loving the fact that it's a living thing. I think Jessica mentioned that. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time just sort of saying what I thought Sangha was because it was kind of hard to think of how to frame the other ones unless I did that. A lot of you know that, that the very first time I sat in, in the Zendo, uh, I fell in love with Sangha. I didn't quite know that that's what had happened for me, but I did. And um, and then I got scared because it was a big a big love, and so then I I realized no, no across time I came to know no this is an enduring enduring love. So anyway, what I what I wrote is sangha is a living, loving, caring, supportive refuge. Sangha is held by Dharma and Buddha, and is the refuge most tangible. We come with common precepts and vows to walk mindfully together through our daily lives, through our activities. And we bring the benefit of our practice into the world, in our families, communities. I can't read that part. <laughs> Each Sangha is part of the weaving of the role of liberation and the universal Sangha. Thank you.
So I misheard the task. Um, I mean, I wrote, I wrote on all of them, but um, PowerPoints. But the one that I just, it was like a lightning bolt when I finally got to it is what are some of our community level vows as you understand them? And immediately a new koan opened up for me. And that koan is apamata, apamata. It just kept reverberating in my body. That one word that we hold, that we speak so often, that we live, and that is mindful, active care. And as I looked at each of those, it's like um, the threads in, 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 in a fabric or in a quilt or whatever. It, it's like it's these three boundless containers intermingled with each other. And so the word that came up for me was, oh my gosh, this, this thing we call Apamata is a, a shapeshifter because it just depends on so many things. I could sit here and give you a list of what, what that is, but quite frankly, I think that word for me has now become, Apamata has now become a lifelong koan because what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we embody our vowing? What does the vowing part of mindfulness look like in its active role? What does the active part look like? So um, that's all I have. More questions now than any answers for anybody. Are probably at the end of our time here. And so I I encourage you to send these to me if you are willing to. First of all, I'd love to see them. And, uh, and second of all, you might have a future in the book. So and I just would love to hear it. Also, you know, as we're um, constructing this narrative story of Apamata together, um, it's important to hear their voices. And as we sign off from this part tonight also, uh, when we take a refuge in the Triple Treasure and put it Dharma and Sangha in that old way from further India, what did Sangha mean? What did it refer to? It referred to the people who followed the Buddha. There's those people who followed the Buddha way, that's all it was. It's like, that's the Sangha. So we think about all these organizational things and philosophical things and qualitative relational things, all which are part of it, but just remember the foundational things like, oh, if you're following the Buddha way, that's those people that get together to do that, that's the Sangha. But the Buddha expected them to do that in spiritual friendship. Yeah. Not just in slavery following the Buddha, but in spiritual friendship. Yeah. So what you're doing is unfolding all that and how it looks here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you.